Good morning, Merlin. My name is Corey Bielek. I'm Executive Vice President and CEO for Kanalaski Uranium Limited. We're a junior explorer focused primarily in the Athabasca Basin of Canada on uranium discoveries, but we've also got a great portfolio of copper and nickel assets principally nickel assets in the neighboring province of Manitoba and the Thompson Nickel Belt. So we've had a great uh, 2021. We've now had a fantastic 2022, and we're looking forward to getting out there and drilling in 2023. Um, Corey, thank you for the introduction. Um, now, the theme of today is, of course, contrarian investing. Um, so uh, first of all, what do you understand by contrarian investing? I mean, what, what, if, if I say you want to take a contrarian view on a resources um cycle or resources stock what would you what would your answer be well i think to put it simply when everyone's leaving is the time you should get in and that's the contrarian view so uh that that's hard to do that takes patience but in general if people don't want it that's a great time to get it and uh you have to take a longer term view um contrarians do take that long view i find and they really try and buy at those lows or close to those lows or average into those lows and really take advantage of that uh, exit from other investors that are a little bit more panicked or, or otherwise uh, distracted, if you want to call it that. And where do you where do you feel the uranium sector is at the moment on that kind of the um, on the spectrum between a firm favorite or or an unloved child? Yeah, well, I am of the vintage where we came through ten or twelve years post Fukushima of a real low, real prolonged low. Then it came up. Uh, maybe 2019, 2020, as we discussed earlier, that um, you know maybe maybe that was sort of the starting point where interest was coming back. Then it went into a bit of a lull, and I think really for me, um, you know, late in 2021, when Sprott came into the market, when you had some of these other catalysts uh, starting to uh, starting to take recognition of the supply demand gap in the uranium space, and um, and that really set it a little bit on fire. And that was good for us. We had a nice raise last year. It got us to uh, uh, doubling our budget at West MacArthur, one of our core projects where we've had some great results in the last few years. Um, allowed us to do some great work uh, work this year. But um, what we saw in late 2021 was that uh, the interest really flowed back in. That's waned since. So that mm. interest has come off a little bit. Um, and I think uh, some of that has to do with, um, you know, this exit like that we just talked about, this, this, mm. the masses exiting, but the contrarians are getting in and they're buying into the uranium space and the uranium story. And, and I, think, I think one of the real important things we've seen in the last number of months post the geopolitical issues in Ukraine and Russia and what that means to the market potentially um, is you've seen Cameco in a big way, one of the big miners and converters of uranium out there coming into the market with a big deal. And, and um, they haven't been doing that for many years. They've been very conservative. And now you're seeing them loosen the purse strings, get into that uranium space and really create some value and potentially like a slightly different part of the market through the Westinghouse deal. So, you know, I think, I think that's a real indicator of, um, of what's to come. They're positioning themselves in a devalued asset, I believe, in a market that they see in front of them. And I think investors should take note. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, lots to talk about in what you've just said, but picking on the Cameco deal on Westinghouse, you know, in some ways, they have taken a contrarian view. They've taken, uh, they've taken a view on this unloved asset. They felt that the valuation of seven or eight billion dollars, uh, which they did with Brookfield Renewable Partners, this kind of New York um, uh, electricity company, mm-hmm. um, they've taken a view that that was a significantly discounted or um, out of favor segment. I, I think it's interesting for the sector, 
but also revealing that they didn't go for other resources. You know, they've taken a step downstream, um, almost as if to say, we need to take our destiny into our own hand and kind of um, um, destiny into our own hands and actually take control of some degree of vertical integration in this industry rather than buying a junior. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation, Merlin. Yeah, and that's what I see. They're sort of filling up that middle point post-production. You know, they are a mining company, uranium mining company. They're a marketing company. They're very good at marketing their product, their conversion company. And this just builds another piece into that sort of downstream uh, component to the uranium space that Cameco really didn't have a lot of exposure in. They had knowledge of it, obviously. They had partnerships in there in places, but now they've really taken hold of it and they've invested. And, you know, you're very right. You know, Cameco, I believe, is taking that contrarian view. They're going, look, now's the time. Now's the time to push the chips into the table and go all in and really get positioned where they want to build that position and see the value for their shareholders long term in that market. Um, they could have gone out and, and bought more resources. Sure. I mean, MacArthur still has you know maybe 15 years of mine life left. It's very high grade. Cigar Lake has a number of years left. Um you know, but uh, I think they saw the opportunity in a devalued asset and, uh, and they took advantage of it. And investors really should take note because historically, Cameco has been very conservative. You know, they're, they're <clears throat> perhaps not that contrarian view, uh, and maybe rightly so, given the downturn we came through. But now, now they've loosened those purse strings and here we are. They're it's, in that they're in that low making a big investment. When I have been looking at the uranium space over the last couple of years, I have been aware that the commodity the, the commodity didn't run that hard for quite a long time. And so late 2018 through 2019, it was kind of mid-20s, high 20s, and low 30s, and it didn't really have a step change in valuation. But when it went through the kind of $30 per pound barrier suddenly the valuation of the equities took off and you had that huge rally in all of the equities in early 2020 um which kind of went through to uh, april may and it felt as if the equities were pricing in 80 100 dollar uranium it felt as if there was no value in the in the uranium space do you so i've got two questions for you one is did you see um kind of long term uranium nuclear bulls selling out and profit taking at those highs or do you and did you see that in can alaska or did you did they hold and do they continue to hold well i think you saw a bit of both merlin you had you had some of those uh, taking some of their money off the table and repositioning that absolutely but you've also got other players that have been with us in can alaska's case for a long time through that low taking bigger positions almost mopping up some of those others that were exiting they were coming in and they were they were filling their uh, their treasure chest because they see what's happening out there in the market. You know, they want to get in at a low. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago they were trading around 28 cents. You know, now we went up with a new discovery in the summer and we bumped into the mid to high 50s for a while. It's come off. The market's gone very soft, but we're still holding our own. We're sitting at around 40 cents today. We're coming off a $10 million financing and that financing should close uh, maybe as early as today. And we're going to get back at it. And um, to have a new high-grade uranium discovery in the Athabasca Basin, I truly mean new. It is the Athabasca's newest high-grade discovery, just a few months old, in our portfolio at West MacArthur, with our partner Cameco, by the way. Um, and that's what we're going to be following up in about two months' time. We're going to have two rigs on that project. So, you know, I think investors are seeing what we're doing. 
They're seeing what the market's doing. They're seeing signals from Canico. And they're going, okay, now's the time to position. Yes, we're a bit elevated from the 28 cent range. Absolutely. But there's a lot of value not captured in Can Alaska because of what it's doing and the good work that's coming, uh, the results story coming from that work. So, you know, I, you, I think if, if you're taking that view, you, you really, you really try and get in there. Do you think you the know, market is is pricing uranium stocks correctly at the moment? I let I will come on to the discovery sure. at um at West Macarthur. I will come on to that. But just just generally, do you think the market has kind of got the the ratio between exuberance and kind of fundamentals correct? Do you think the uranium stocks are, as a whole are overvalued or undervalued? Uh, I'm going I'm I'm to be quite open and say they're undervalued as a whole. Now, there are nuances in there. You've got some companies that are valued essentially on, on, uh, on no results. You've got other companies that are valued uh, on results adequately. And you've got companies that are perhaps not valued enough because of the results they, they, they've, they've had. So you've got a, a mixed bag. But I think in general, undervalued at present. And I say that because you've seen almost all the companies across the board, at least our peers, have come off in valuation since about June of this year, okay? For no other reason than, you know, softening in, you know, trading volume, softening in, in, in some of the sentiment and geopolitics is playing a role, but the underlying fundamentals for the nuclear space are incredible. And that's exactly why you're seeing companies like Cameco getting in here. You're seeing other companies doing M&A. You know, we've had the recent deal with UEC and UEX. I mean, that's very public. I mean, that's the start of these upward trends generally as you start to get the M&A activity. You get these companies positioning themselves for that big run that's in front of them. And that's what we've seen in the last six months. And so, I think uh, so, so you say that the, you'd say that the, um, uh, someone who hasn't got any uranium in their portfolio, if someone is, is without uranium in their portfolio, they haven't missed the bull run. Absolutely. I think, I think the majority of the bull run is still in front of us. And one of the reasons I say that is because if you want to bring on new production globally, just step back globally, if you want to bring on new production, that is a break even of around $65 a pound. That's break even. You have to forward sell those pounds, $80, $90 a pound minimum in order to incentivize that to come on stream. So I think we're not there yet. You know, the price you're in sitting around, what, 54 this week, 53, 54. Uh, we're still off from the 65, again, break even for what we call or we like to call those tier two assets around the world. Mm. That's the type of valuation they need. And we're not there yet. There is a lot of upside. There is a lot of upside. So um, it's not too late. It's absolutely not too late. Now is the time. Um, it's, 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 just, it's just a brilliant time to get into the nuclear space. Let's go back to Can Alaska specifically and the, and the raise you'll do, the $10 million. Um, if you attract, are you going back to existing shareholders for this? Because I know these are difficult times in the market. Um, no, I'm involved in the capital raise at the moment, and we've we've pretty much gone back to existing contacts and 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 the shareholder base. And I've seen that time and time and time again across this sector in the last six months. Um, have you got any new subscribers linked to the recent drilling results at um, uh, MacArthur West? West MacArthur, sorry. True. Yeah, no, we, we do have existing shareholders uh, coming in to this raise. We've also got some new ones coming into this raise, and that's in large part because of the summer uh, exploration results that we've had. What's still mm. pending in the news, because we haven't announced all of our assays yet. Uh, we're in the middle of a raise. We, we can't really release that those results yet. We can't even see them yet. Um, 
so that's all still to come. And, uh, you know, I, I would say there was great support. I mean, I, we started an $8 million raise and within an hour before I even got to work, it was full. So we upped it to 10 that day and that was full the next day. So there is incredible support for the Can Alaska story. That's backed by the, the nuclear story that we've been talking about, the uranium story that we've been talking about. But results from this summer were incredible for a company of our size. I mean, you do not drill, you know, 12 meter intersections of high grade mineralization in the Athabasca Basin all that often. And uh, let alone with, you know, with your first hole, first series of holes on a brand new target that's completely wide open. So, you know, if you just step back and look at it, you know, if we truly are into a MacArthur cigar type system, um, you know, you're looking at multiples on our share price. And that's just the way it has historically happened in the Athabasca discoveries. Uh, you can go back to ISO Energy, you know, sitting around 40 cents. They're now at uh, three and a half to four dollars. You've got Next Gen that was a 25 million market cap company. Now they're worth, uh, I don't know what they're worth today, maybe two and a half billion, maybe more. Um, that's the type of discovery that can really change a company. And uh, and we're excited because we've we've received that in the summer. I mean, the, the work the team has done to make that discovery is just incredible. And we're going to be following that up in a couple of months. What gives you any confidence that this is not just kind of a, a one-hit wonder in that drill hole? Um, exploration is never... Well, it's very, very rarely a single drill hole. You know, you've got to back it up with scale, with strike extent, with depth extent, with continuity, hopefully with width. You know, there are so many variables and so many risks along that road to uh, kind of an economic resource, all those modifying factors, all of that mm -hmm. de-risking that needs to be done. Um, what gives you some degree of confidence that this has got greater potential than than anything other than that kind of the, those that strong first kind of... Um, set of intersections yeah absolutely merlin and and to be to be fair you're absolutely right it, it is never guaranteed and i would never say that however what i'm saying is that the width and scale and grade of the mineralization that we've seen to date in a number of holes um, is leading us back to that unconformity target we haven't even tested the unconformity target and that's the true true test coming i think in q1 of next year is that we're going to get into the unconformity it's guiding us back there we've been following it trying to sort out the structural relationships of this mineralization and uh, it's pointing us back to the unconformity now it could be on strike as well we don't know because we're on a 15 kilometer trend that's completely open and with our very first hole we've intersected nine meters of two and a half percent uranium uh, some of that higher grade in, in in there as well and we're still waiting on assays from one of the one of the other holes, which shows some very, very high grade mineralization in, in, a, in a few of the veins. I mean, we're talking off scale. We can't even measure it with our scintillometer. We reported counts per second, but reality is it capped out. We don't know. Yeah. And we're waiting on those assays. So what, what makes this not a one hole wonder? Well, we've got more than one hole. We've got multiple holes with some very high grade mineralization. Some of it yet to be reported to market in terms of assay. But importantly, the target is completely open at that unconformity. And um, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna get on this uh, ideal target, and we're gonna we're gonna see what's there. And uh, if we're correct, it's gonna be very significant. It's gonna be very interesting. And and um, why do I say if it's correct? Well, there's an if there, but reality is I've seen this type of mineralization before. So is the team, and that's a big deposits like Eagle Point. That's a 200 million pound ore body. Um, this looks every bit like the best parts of Eagle Point where I spent five years as chief geologist. It's, it's just immediately recognizable. 
Um, the style of mineralization mimics uh, one of the better deposits in the basin at, uh, at Millennium, where my VP, Nathan Bridge, has a lot of experience. Um, it, it looks like the deeper parts of MacArthur River. If you go 100 meters below that unconformity, this is what MacArthur River looks like. So it's got all of the indications of the right style of mineralization. It's not half a percent. You know, we're talking multiple percents. High-grade blend yeah. veins. Uh, we're waiting on assays that uh, we can't even measure with our with our scintillometer. It's totally off scale. So we'll see what that comes back at, but I guarantee it's going to be high grade. So, you know, it looks right, Merlin. And this is what we've been seeking at West MacArthur for a number of years is this type of intersection in a new area that really says, wow, I mean, the level of alteration of style of mineralization, this all looks right. And um, and that's what makes us excited because it, it truly does look and feel correct. Uh, can you just remind me and the the viewers the structure of the joint venture? Who's who's funding it? Um, who's driving it? Uh, and what are the what are the terms? Well, West MacArthur, it's a co-funding joint venture. We own uh, almost eighty percent by year end. It'll be just over seventy nine percent. Cameco owns the remainder, about twenty to twenty one percent. We'll see where that lands at year end. But it's a co-funding JV. Uh, we are going through the budgeting process with Cameco right now, so I can't, I can't really say what their intent is, but they have the option to fund or not fund. And if they don't fund, uh, we will dilute them further and we'll gain more interest in the project uh, with successful results. Obviously, there's a lot of value contained there. Uh, we're happy to have them fund as a co-funding JV as well. So um, we'll see what their intent is. And, um, you know, we'll know in a few weeks time, but we're going to move forward in 2023 regardless, because we are in full in control of the project at 80 percent. And uh, and we can move this project forward as, as we see fit. And uh, clearly results dictate um, another significant program. And I will say we've been we've been public in saying that we plan a 10 million dollar program West MacArthur, which is double year over year. We spent five million last year and came up with this result. We're planning to go in with 10 million next year and advance that target and advance it as fast as we can towards a knowledge point that we might be onto something pretty special. So this is absolutely front and center your flagship. This is the exploration. This, this is the opportunity of an exploration discovery, really. This absolutely is, Merlin. This, uh, this has grown into our flagship project, absolutely, especially with the summer's results. We've got a couple of other key projects on the go, too. One of them, our key extension project, which is just 10 kilometers from the Key Lake Mill, which receives the West MacArthur ore. Um, it's a true grassroots play, but the targets just look right. And it's along that Key Lake fault, close to 200 million pounds, just 10 kilometers away historically at, at that mine. And then we've got a new entrant, uh, Basin Energy, that did a deal with us on three of our new projects to advance those. So we're we're going to see a lot of news flow for Canalaska, whether it's at West MacArthur or Key Extension with our spend, our shareholder spend, or whether it's going to be through the deal with Basin Energy that's going to bring up to $15 million into three of these projects. Um, and one of them is right near Baseload and uh, 92 Energy's recent discoveries um, yeah, yeah. at Accio and GMZ. So, you know, we're well positioned for news flow. We're well positioned for discovery. And the key for us in early 2023 is truly West MacArthur. And um, what depth is the unconformity at West MacArthur? I know I didn't want to get too technical, but I I, I can't resist. I'm curious about the, uh, the, 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 the depth of discovery. First of the intersection that you made and also... Uh, how far up to the unconformity might that be? Yeah, the unconformity from surface is sitting right around vertical vertical level, right around 800 meters depth. It, it varies on the project. Uh, this intercept is down around, say, 900 meters depth, maybe 875. It's 100 meters below that unconformity in the basement. 
and you're getting all this high grade mineralization that far down from what is the ideal target. So, you know, that is very significant to note as well, because you don't generally get mineralization that far into the basement and those widths and grades without it being part of a bigger system. And when I say it looks right, that's what I'm talking about. You just don't get this mineralization that deep in the basement um, without it being part of a bigger system. So it is deep, absolutely. But I, you know, when it, and it's a question I get, to be fair, Merlin, often. And what I will say is that I am aware of Cameco and Arano exploring at depths in excess of this in the last number of years. So the two main miners in the Athabasca Basin, Basin sorry, are not shy exploring at depths that are deeper than MacArthur River. And Cameco did the deal to get into West MacArthur knowing these depths exist and in a down market and when their money was tight. So, you know, it's clearly not a factor for them. And, um, you know, when you find a tier one deposit like MacArthur Cigar, it just displaces everything else around the planet because it truly is lowest quartile producer and it truly is special. And um, and this looks special. Goodness, um, it's 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 one of those classic risk rewards, isn't it? You know, you've, it, it is deep, it's difficult. Presumably, there's a lot of water down there. Uh, you're gonna have to freeze it, like the next gen guys, or do something fancy. But if it does develop into a economic discovery, uh, you'll be able to res- retrospectively say that that was the discovery hole in the in 2022, um, and it could generate a lot of value. I'm very happy to follow the results. Merlin, because you have to follow the geology first in terms of where it's taking you. You can't be so focused on depth because when you find something big enough, they'll find a way to get it out of the ground. It's going to happen. I mean, MacArthur River, you know, historically couldn't come out of the ground either, but they solved that. They got through it. They had a few challenges. Um, You know, this this will be no different. It'll be a challenge. But um, if it's that special, they're going to go get it. you know, I will just say that you can spend a lot of money on shallow targets that don't generate results and you walk away with nothing. We're generating results, yes, at depth, but we're getting very significant mineralization and uh, you can't control where the mineralization exists. You can only control how you explore for it and go find it and then make that decision only when you know the outcome. So um, follow your nose as a geologist because if, you, if, you're, if you're just chasing depth and you're concerned about it, you're going to spend a lot of shareholder money doing work that isn't going to provide a result. And here we are. We've got results. While you're speaking, I'm I'm hearing voices in my head going, you're just a geologist to myself. And hearing you say that, you know, we're just geologists. We just got to go out and find the material. And then it's an engineering problem after that. It is very true, Merlin. And, you know, it, and it's not unique to the resource world. You know, many people said you couldn't build this dam here. Many people said you can't build that bridge across that canyon there. And you know what? it gets done and there is a way there will be a way. And when you find a MacArthur river, which, you know, I might remind the viewers is 700 million pounds of uranium. Um, you will go find a way to get it. And uh, it will displace the $65 uranium around the world that we just talked about. And uh, it will be a front runner. So how are you going to drill for the unconformity? How, how, how do you set out your array of the next phase of drilling to best target expansions or extensions to the known mineralization that you've got? Well, that's that's a good question because it's one of the reasons uh, or one of the problems we had this summer was that we weren't set up with the right drilling equipment to actually do the work that we need to at these depths. It should be directional drilling, which mm-hmm. is really kind of oil patch technology. You know, it was used at Millennium extensively when they defined it. It was used at Cigar Lake extensively when they were working on phase two and some of the freeze hole patterns. Um, this is a technology that's proven in the Athabasca Basin to work and uh, and really be able to target, pinpoint target um, where you want to be 
at 800 meters depth. And I'll, I'm very fortunate to have on the team a set of geologists, senior geologists that have worked at Millennium, have worked at Cigar Lake, have worked at Shea Creek, Arano Shea Creek deposit at depths in excess of West MacArthur using this very technology. And we're bringing in the right equipment to do that work starting in Q1 next year. So we're going to be able to get in there, get on it, and, um, and really start to define what we think we have in front of us. Okay, my goodness. I feel as if I'm kind of setting you up with kind of um, puff questions. I'm actually trying to um, find the de- <laughs> difficult questions. What, what, what worries you most? What are your kind of concerns? Where, do you, where, do, where are the weaknesses that, that kind of give you sleepless nights? Are we talking market, Merlin? Definitely talking market and, and company. I mean, let's leave your private life to one side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, in terms of market, you know, I, I think the market's very strong and, and I think there's good support or understanding of the market that, you know, if, if a nuclear accident were to happen, the industry is probably at a point where it can survive it. Um, now, I will caveat that with, you know, if somebody fires a missile at a nuclear plant in Ukraine, accident or otherwise, um, that's going to be negative, no doubt. But the underlying fundamentals of what we need to do as, as a society, as a planetary society by 2050, just doesn't change. We have to clean up what we do. We want to charge those cars. We want to, um, you know, want clean electricity 24-7. And nuclear has got to be a bigger part of that. And um, yes, there are some risks out there to the industry but I think they're not insurmountable in the context of what we need to do in the next, you know, 20 to 25 years to help out society. Uh, Corporately, you know, there's always risk. It's it's a risky business, whether it's geological risk, whether it's uh, social license risk, whether it's financial risk, Uh, the market could Mm. implode and we could get no money. The good thing is we're well financed for next year, you know, coming uh, hopefully late today, we're going to, we're going to have about 18, 18.5 million dollars in the bank in which to pursue our to pursue our efforts in 2023 and that's a yeah. great position to be in it's quite enviable for our peers and we're a company that you know is going to be sitting around 120 million shares outstanding and that's it we're a very well structured company with the right team on the right assets with the right funding to go and advance what we want to advance in 2023 and i think that's going to create some great news flow for our shareholders so Now's the time, Merlin. Now's the time to get into Can Alaska. Now's the time to get into the nuclear space in general and uh, align yourselves with companies that have the team that's generating the results, that's well-financed and can do what they want to do in 2023. It's a great time to be in Can Alaska. Um, Corey, thank you very much. I, I always like a good exploration story. Um, you know, that that part of the Lausanne curve, it's proven time and time again. Um, I also like the uranium fundamental to the nuclear story. I, I found myself lecturing in um, high schools about the morality of nuclear and fossil fuels um, and the immorality of some aspects of the environmental um, uh, arguments or the activism. But uh, thank you very much for your time. I very much look forward to seeing those results as they come through. And did you say that you had two rigs coming um, in Q1? Yeah, in Q1, we'll actually have two rigs at, uh, at West MacArthur Merlin, and we're going to have a third rig at Key Extension. And, uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll have three rigs turning in Q1 in, uh, on Canalaska's portfolio. So it's going to be a great set of news flow. And uh, all I can say is stay tuned. <laughs> that was nice and cheesy. Uh, good. Thank you very much, Corey. Uh, look forward to the next one. <laughs> Thanks, Merlin. Always a pleasure.